Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to our second episode of the Future of the EU. We hope you liked the first episode that we launched last week when we talked to European activist Anita Sepregni about the future of Europe and about the Conference of the Future of Europe. This week, we are talking about the future of Europe from a different view. Our co-presenters Annelien, Amal and Iris have an interview with European specialist Rob Boudewijn. During this interview, well, I haven't listened to the interview yet, yes, but I'm very interested because apparently they were asking him what his view was and what he thought about the conference and what the conference really is about. So I'm very interested on to see what he has to say about it. Matter of fact, he is a teacher at Antel Stendon and I even have class with him. And what I know is that he knows a lot about the EU. So let's have a look what he has to say about the conference. Before anything else, I want to mention, if you ask yourself why was there so much noise in the background, we have this amazing podcast made in our favorite cafe. Um, last time we were obviously in Hungary where we did the interview, which was also in a cafe. And yet today again, we are at a cute little cafe here in Enschel Stenden. So excuse the noise, but I hope you don't mind it. Well, <laughs> I'm going to switch to English. Um, <clears throat> can you introduce yourself and tell uh, what connection you have with the European Union? Uh, my name is Rob Boudewijn. Uh, I'm a part-time teacher here at the uh, University of Applied Science. And besides that, I have my own training institution in um, European Affairs, European Integration. And I'm involved in this work since 1999. So I provide European Union training for 22 years right now. Okay, that's a long time. Yeah. And <laughs> we're really going to dive in. So what's your vision on the Conference of Europe? And there's another one coming. <laughs> what are the points of improvement according to you, if you have one? Yeah. Well, of course, the idea of organizing a conference about the future of Europe uh, involving citizens is the basic principle is very good. Uh, only uh, the pretension is that it is a bottom-up approach, that it is organized by the citizens itself, but it's uh, very strongly organized from, from uh, uh, organized by the European Union institutions, so top-down. Uh, so uh, people from the Commission, European Parliament have organized it, and they pretend it's a citizens' initiative, and it is not. And um, my, my question mark about this conference is, for example, uh, we already have a democratic chosen institute, European Parliament. Uh, why don't they deal with this question instead of uh, a small elite uh, who is already busy all the time with Europe? So it's a usual, usual sus suspect, in my opinion, the think tanks, universities, and I'm afraid the average citizen don't know anything at all about the conference. Mm -hmm. So we need to include the citizens more and provide more information. Yeah, but how? Uh, that is the that is the difficult question, of course, with the European Union. If you have a look at the turnout rates during elections for the European Union, I think in the in the Netherlands it was only one third of the citizens going to 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 vote. So somehow uh, European Union is not a really sexy item that people feel involved with. And how can we achieve that to um, 
uh, to involve more people to get more awareness about this conference? Well, um, I think there are already enough fora, uh, e-zines, publications, uh, academic studies, uh, so that has not that much added value. Uh, I think people working in Brussels, you have one time every year, and that is an initiative that calls, is called Back to School, and it means people who are working for the European Union institutions go back to their uh, secondary uh, school to explain what the European Union is doing and what their role is, etc. Et but it is only one day a year, and I think you should do that more frequently, uh, because now we see only on, on the media something is announced in Brussels, and that's it, and people have no background information. So more, more personal contact with the citizens could help. Okay. Um. Well, and having said that, how do you see the EU functioning within 10 years? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> well, um, interesting. I think the, uh, one of the most urgent questions we have to do, deal with right now is how do we continue with further enlargement? Uh, we have still some candidates at the Balkans uh, waiting for the opening of the accession negotiations. Uh, so probably in, in 10 years we have around 30 member states, I think. And of course we should tackle the, the, the huge problems, uh, environmental problems, security problems, asylum, uh, migration policies. Uh, we don't have solutions for that yet. And how do you think about how it's going now? Because it's, it's quite a chaos at, the, at this moment in Europe. Like for example, the uh, Glasgow climate top. Um, a lot of people uh, are struggling with the fact that all the world leaders come with 118 air, uh, private airplanes to that top. Like yeah. the whole world is thinking, oh, what is this hypocrite? Like those kinds of things, like immigration is a big problem. Well, what you a lot of things are happening in secrecy. What you see is that uh, if you look at the environment specifically, I think um, the European Union is the bloc that took the most important initiative to fight climate change with the European Union Green Deal. Uh, so we have the ambition in 2050 to be the first uh, energy neutral continent. And then you can think, okay, uh, the European Union population is only representing 7% of the world population, so that has no effect at all. But uh, uh, at the same time, we are the most important trading bloc, economic bloc in the world. So if you want to trade with us, the European Union, uh, you have to fulfill our criteria. So if you want to have trade with the European Union, we say, okay, uh, think about social rights, think about human rights, but also think about the environment, otherwise no trade uh, with us. And although we are a very small continent, according to population, because of our economic power, I think we can contribute from the European Union to a better environment in a couple of years. Yeah. It's a and start. It's a start, yeah, it's a start. And for example, asylum and migration policies, um, did I share with you during my lectures how we divided the competences in the European Union and between member states? That you have unique competences of the European Commission, that you have shared competences and supporting actions. Now, exclusive competences means uh, we transferred power to Brussels, member states have nothing to say about it. Uh, shared competences means uh, 
a certain policy area is governed both by the member states and the European Union. And asylum and migration policies is a shared competence. So the European Union has a saying on it, but also the member states. Because on paper, we have a good asylum and migration policy, but in practice, the member states don't cooperate. If we have, if we reach an agreement about the redistribution of uh, refugees some years ago, uh, it failed completely because uh, some member states simply refused to take up uh, refugees. So uh, I think that should be should move to a European competence to get a better policy area than it is right now. Look at the problems at the uh, Polish border right now. <clears throat> environmental um, problems and immigration is, are of course very important problems that need to be solved but um, of course the younger ones so the people between 18 and 30 a demographic group um, are of course the new future of the EU and they need to solve those problems also so how do you think that they can be more involved? Well, I think if you look at, at the results of the uh, Eurobarometer, the yearly questionnaire uh, that is sent to 20,000 people or something, including youngsters, then you see in general the young people are more positive about the European Union uh, than the older generation. And I think the, the reason is quite simple, because um, you use much more the opportunities that is offered by the European Union than people who's 20 years older. Uh, because for you it's quite normal to study abroad or do a traineeship or internship in another country. And 20 years ago that was not that easy or that normal. So I think uh, for you, uh, uh, the European Union is the most concrete example of, of globalization because you are preparing right now not anymore for a national labor market. Basically you are getting prepared for a European labor market. You do your internship, somewhere else you study abroad maybe you find yourself a job in italy whatever so for you, you you use the opportunities offered by the integration project much more than the older generation is in my opinion mm -hmm. so we have a much more positive view on how europe is helping you you know better the opportunities it's being offered and you use them and yeah. we uh, also at least i also have really lived uh, in the Gulden state and all that like I don't, I don't know how it was back then so I guess it's also because uh, when I hear other pe uh, older people who are uh, against the European Union want uh, a exit they say like oh it was uh, way bigger, uh, b better back then but we don't know how it was yeah. back then I mean it could also be um, something look, look at, at the economic results in the United Kingdom after Brexit they I think their economy went down for around 30% because of Brexit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you Robaudewijn for your time, for answering the questions, uh, for the wonderful interview and for your amazing ideas. And you listeners, we hope you have learned something about Europe and about the conference, something that you didn't know yet. And maybe you do, maybe you don't. Who knows, who knows. Um, well, let's have a little bit of a recap about what he had to tell. Very interesting, very interesting, his point of view. I d most definitely agree with it from a European studies student as well. And what about you, Jessica Lachman? What did you thought about it? I thought he had amazing points that we can also learn from. Um, 
because we didn't know everything that he said. It was definitely a very interesting point and I definitely do agree with him and I do think that, you know, with what has been said, um, the EU in the future is going to be very important for together work, to get working together, but it's just a little bit far away from, you know, your average citizen. So I definitely do think that when working on, like, locally, for example, with the municipality, that, you know, your knowledge will increase, but you will also do more about it because it's closer to you. So I definitely do have a feeling that if the conference is going to be, how you say that, promote better, that, yeah, it's going to be a success. Yeah, I also think that. And you listeners, if you have any ideas, uh, please tell us uh, through the podcast. Uh, we have a link uh, below. And if you liked it, uh, the listen and whatever we talked about, uh, go follow us, share it with, with your friends. And we hope to, uh, to hear from you next time. Yeah, because the more, the merrier, of course. And if you have any ideas, please submit them. And we'll talk about it in our next podcast. Next week, we will talk about our little um, interviews slash research that we have done so we have been traveling to Hungary to Gior as well as here in Leeuwarden in the Netherlands municipality of Leeuwarden yes people and we have interviewed many people throughout Tinder and no we were not looking for a lover we were looking for what people thought about the EU and how and how can we actually increase the knowledge because you know The future is the EU. See you next week, dear listeners. Thank you very much. My name is Ria. And my name is Jessica. Until next time. Bye.